Welcome to the Jumpstart Your Faith podcast channel, where you will receive the essential tools to take your faith to the next level. I am your host, Brian Ratliff, and I currently pastor Clearbrook Baptist Church in Roanoke, Virginia. Here is the latest message preached from one of our services. Grab your Bible, pen, notepad, and get ready to jumpstart your faith. Did you know there are a lot of groups out there who believe some crazy doctrine? They believe some crazy teachings. And I want to highlight one group today that is, in my opinion, not part of biblical Christianity. You know, we have this idea of fundamentalism, and we have this idea of evangelicalism. I would like to encourage you not to label yourself as either of those, but to label yourself as being part of biblical Christianity. And today, as we dive into this passage, we are going to seek to understand what biblical, biblical Christianity is all about. And before I share any of that with you, I want to share with you some things you may not be aware of about the so-called Mormon church. I want to share with you from an article. It's, it's called 12 Beliefs the Mormon Church Might Not Want You to Know About. And I'm going to share with you five of them. The first one today is, is this. The American continent was originally settled by ancient Near Easterners. Now, that might not mean anything to you, but in realms of scholarship, they call these groups the ANEs. Say A, three, one, two, three, ANEs, ancient Near Easterners. And basically, what that means is people who were years ago, back in the ancient times, they lived in the Middle East. And the Mormon church declares from the Book of Mormon that the United States was settled by those people in that area, which is just wrong. Number two, Native Americans are descendants of ancient Israelites. This, my dear friends, just defies all sorts of archaeological and genealogical evidence. There's not a shred of evidence for this. In fact, they also teach that Jesus visited the Americas during his earthly ministry. Now, I just have to pause and say, wouldn't you think that if Jesus Christ made such a trip all the way across the Atlantic that he would have talked about it in Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John? But what we find is that none of that is mentioned. And there is actually no archaeological evidence that Jesus Christ set foot in the United States of America. Number three, I want to share this with you. Now, this one really rubs me the wrong way, and I cannot stand this teaching, but this is a teaching that the Mormon church holds to. They teach that dark skin is a sign of God's curse, and white skin is a sign of God's blessing. My dear friends, this is complete heresy and hogwash, and my dear friends, this is something that none of us should adopt as a teaching. Number four, this one is really interesting. It says, the Book of Mormon is based on a historically accurate and believable ancient work. And as I shared a few moments ago, that is not true at all. Time doesn't allow me to dive into this stuff, but they try to teach that the Book of Mormon is accurate in all manner of scientific research. But, my dear friends, just my short study of the Book of Mormon, the Doctrine of, of Covenants, and the Pearl of Great Price reveals that there is not a shred of evidence to support any archaeological research for 
their so-called scriptures. And in fact, here's another thing that you may not be aware of, is that they teach that the Book of Mormon is more important than the Word of God. And that is heretical. The Bible says we are not to add to this book or take away. And then uh, number five, this one is interesting. I'm not going to go through all 12 of these. I'll give you the article if you want it, but I'll share just this fifth one. Joseph Smith translated the Book of Mormon from gold plates. So to give you an idea, he saw, looked through these little eyeglasses, if you will, for a lack of better term, and he saw the scriptures and he translated them from that. Well, I was born at night, but it wasn't last night. And that is crazy talk. Listen, people believe crazy things. This sermon is not devoted to uh, refuting and rejecting or rebuking Mormonism, although maybe I'll do that one of these days in the future. But this, this introduction just simply to make you aware that there are people out there who believe crazy and far-fetched stuff. And here's another just side note for you. Mormonism teaches that Jesus is brothers with Lucifer. How crazy and idiotic can you get? Have you ever read the Bible before, Mormon church? Because that's not found in there. Today I want to label this thought, uh, the title of my sermon, with these three words. Believe sound doctrine. Believe sound doctrine. One thing that maybe, did you know that, that, that the majority of the people who are converted to Mormonism are so-called evangelical Christians? And the reason why I believe that, that they are converted to Mormonism is because they get their faces in the newspapers more than they get their faces into the Word of God. And church, today we need to lay aside the magazines, we need to lay aside the social media, we need to lay aside the newspapers, we need to lay aside the television, Netflix, all that stuff, and stop being indoctrinated with the world wants us to be indoctrinated, and be educated in what God wants us to be educated in, His Word. Today, my message is very simple, but yet it can be very profound. Believe sound doctrine. I believe the church as a whole, as if you want to call it evangelical Christianity, has in a sense departed from the biblical sound doctrine. Would you, would, could you just imagine with me that, that if people opened up the scriptures and read them for what it was, they surely would not believe some of that crazy stuff I just read to you a moment ago. Here's a key statement I want to share with you. Sound doctrine is the most important aspect of the local church. Sound doctrine is the most important aspect of the local church. We understand that the book of Timothy, 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy, was written by the Apostle Paul to the Timothy. One of them was written to Timothy while he was in jail, and one of them was written to him while he was not in jail. And Timothy, we believe, is first mentioned in the Bible in Acts chapter 16, verses 1, 2, 3, verses 1 through 3. And we find that his mother was a, a Jewish believer, and his grandmother was a Jewish believer, but his father, we understand, was a non-believing Greek. Which leads me to believe that it doesn't matter what your parent's situation is, God can use you and God can save you as long as you believe the gospel. We understand that, that this book was written sometime in the 60s A.D. These are some of the latter portions of the, the letters that the Apostle Paul wrote in his ministry. We find that, that this man, we don't, we don't know for certain if Timothy was converted underneath the ministry of Paul, but we get the idea because it, the Bible says in verse number 2 of 1 Timothy chapter 1 that, that it says, Timothy, my own son in the faith. And so 
Whether he was converted and discipled or converted elsewhere and discipled by Paul, we don't know exactly, but I have reasons to believe that he was converted underneath Paul's ministry and he was discipled and mentored by the Apostle Paul and Paul sent him to Ephesus to pastor a church. And here we find that he's writing this letter to discuss conduct of how he was supposed to conduct himself being a leader in the local church and how he was to counsel po folks that were underneath his leadership and then Paul giving counsel to him as a younger minister of the gospel. And so I know you're sitting here saying this evening, or excuse me, this morning, that, well, Brother Brian, if Brother Paul was a pastor and a church planner and Brother Timothy was a pastor and a church planner, what in the Sam Blazes does this book have to do with me and my life? Well, it has everything to do with you and your life. Because whether you are pastoring a church or not pastoring a church, God has called all of us to either help the one who is pastoring and shepherding the flock and to be involved and engaged in the ministry of the local church. And one of the ways we can be engaged in a local church is by meditating, memorizing, and learning the very words of God. Wouldn't it be great if we memorized more Bible verses than more lines in sitcoms or movies? Wouldn't it be great if we understood more about the Word of God than we understood, more, than, than we understood about LeBron James or Steph Curry or Michael Jordan or Troy Aikman or Dan Marino or some other athlete? Wouldn't it be great if we knew more about God's Word than we knew more about the favorite artist that we listen to in the car? Whether you listen to whatever station you listen to, whether it is WROV, Rock of Virginia, or it is 94 Nine Star Country. Wouldn't it be great if we knew more about God's Word than that stuff? You know, I say this respectfully, but I also say it with great courage. We fill up our lives with meaningless stuff that in realms of eternity does not matter. But what does matter is believing sound doctrine. Because today I submit to you that if you do not believe the sound doctrine of salvation, you will never enter into the glorious, wonderful, splendid gates of heaven. Today I want to share with you just briefly three thoughts about sound doctrine from these verses. In verses 1 through 4, I wrote down this statement. Sound doctrine believes God's word is man's final authority. As I read verses 5 through 7, I wrote down a second thought I want to share with you. Sound doctrine believes living, excuse me, sound doctrine believes loving others is man's God-given responsibility. And then as I read verses 8 through 11, I wrote down thirdly, Sound doctrine believes God's law reveals man's need for Calvary. Will you come with me as we move through this passage together? I want to zoom in and focus on verses 1 through 4 right now. And as I want to reiterate the first sermon statement today is this. Sound doctrine believes God's word is man's final authority. Sound doctrine believes God's word is man's final authority. Now, as we understand Baptist history, we understand that Baptists originated what we call Baptists in the 1600s. And one of the greatest things I really admire and respect about this denomination is the emphasis on religious liberty and God's word as man's final authority. You see, today, as we zoom in here in this passage of Scripture, we understand that the Bible, Paul is giving his, his you know, his introductory comments that he does in all of his letters. And he says, Paul, an apostle. That means one who is sent. And listen, church, Paul was not Papa called and Mama sent. 
He was God called and Holy Spirit sent. And whenever man tries to tell somebody what they think that God has called them to do, you can just throw it in the rubbish, in the garbage, and receive what God has called you to do as it meets with God's word. He says, I am an apostle of Jesus Christ by the commandment of God our Savior and Lord Jesus Christ, which is our hope. And by the way, Jesus is our only hope. My hope is surely not in the Pope. And my hope is not in whoever's in office of the United States of America in the White House. My hope is not in who is, who is teaching in some school or university or who is uh, speaking at some conference. My hope is found in none other than Jesus Christ, and so is yours. He says unto Timothy in verse 2, My own son in the faith, and this is the phrase that we believe, he was mentored by Paul. He says, Grace, mercy, and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, or Jesus Christ our Lord. These introductory comments that he normally writes in all of his letters. But then we dive into verses 3 and 4. As I want to reiterate this thought. Sound doctrine believes God's word is man's final authority. May I say it again? Sound doctrine is, excuse me, sound doctrine believes God's word is man's final authority. Look at verse 3. As I besought thee, he says, as I besought you, singular, as I besought thee to abide still at Ephesus. Understand that Paul sent Timothy to the church at Ephesus to oversee it, to shepherd it, and to pastor it. And he says, when I went into Macedonia, he's going back to his time and his missionary journeys in, in the book of Acts about the time where he sent Paul, excuse me, Paul sent Timothy there, and he went over to Macedonia. He says, that thou mightest charge some, that, check it out now, hear, hear me now, it says this, that they teach no other doctrine. Verse 4. Neither give heed to fables and endless genealogies which minister questions rather than godly edifying which is in faith, so do. Fables are myths and stories that are not backed up by the truth of God's word. If somebody stands up and they share a story or they share an illustration or they share something that is not backed up by God's word, it can be called a fable. Now, there's nothing necessarily wrong with sharing a myth that has no historical accuracy, but it reveals some type of applicable truth to our lives. Nothing wrong with that in general. But here, Paul is calling out these individuals who are giving heed to fables these stories and myths that do not line up with the Word of God. And today, church, I know that, that, that all of you here today are just Bible scholars and you don't need any, any direction in your lives. And so I'm just here to just give you a nice reminder that God's Word trumps every false fable in our world. When it comes to believing a fable or the Word of God, believe the Word of God. When it comes to believing a fable or the authority of the Scriptures, believe the authority of the scriptures. You see, the reason why I believe there's a right and wrong, the reason why I believe there's a heaven and there is a hell, the reason why I believe that Jesus died on Calvary, the reason why I believe that Jesus rose up from the grave, the reason why I believe Jesus is coming back as he said he was, the reason why I believe everything about the Bible is because I believe the Bible is God's and man's final authority in everything. In everything. If you don't have a final authority, how do you determine right from wrong? If you don't have a final authority, how do you understand what happens after life? If you don't have a final authority, 
how do you understand the purpose to this life? Well, when you understand that God's word is man's final authority, you understand all those questions. It says, don't give heed to fables or endless genealogies. Now, years ago, when my great-grandmother was still alive and well, I was, we were visiting her house in, in uh, Shady Spring, West Virginia, and as our Thanksgiving ritual was, you know, we would go to Crackle Barrel, and man, it was good food. Man, it was great. Um, but anyways, I was sitting there talking to her, and she couldn't remember a whole lot, but what she could remember was her genealogy. And so I began to ask her and probe her and, and, and pick her brain about, about who I was related to. And, and I quickly found out that it was going to be quite a task to research my genealogy. And of course, you know, I had some motives. I'm, I'm trying to figure out, hey, is there any royalty blood in my skin uh, so that I can inherit something that, that should have been inherited? Uh, uh, of course, we all have those, those, those tendencies. But, but nonetheless, uh, here, here, here I am trying to research the lineage. We go to the cemetery. We go to the grave sites, a couple grave sites. And, and man, I just decided, you know, this is just not going to end well for me. So I just stopped that adventure. And here, apparently, these people in Ephesus that Timothy, Timothy was ministering to and these people in this area of the world in this time period giving heed not just to fables but to endless genealogies. Did you know that genealogies are, are, do have an end but the point here is that you can, you can go start trying to trace your lineage and listen, after a few gene, uh, generations you'll feel like it's endless. I give, I'll give you a, a motivation to go try and let me know what you find out. But here they were, these genealogies, endless genealogies, and these fables, they were not edifying the body. They were ministering questions. In fact, it gives the idea that, that they might have been doubting the word of God. And if there's anything in your life that casts doubt upon God's word, you might as well just get rid of it. Sound doctrine believes God's word is man's final authority. I know that, that, that our church holds to that, that teaching, but, but I want to just ask you personally. What do you personally hold to? Now I want to share with you thought number two from verses five through seven. Remember, believe sound doctrine. Sound doctrine is the most important aspect of the local church. It believes God's word is man's final authority. But I wrote down secondly, after reading verses five, six, and seven, sound doctrine believes loving others is man's God-given responsibility. Sound doctrine believes loving others is man's God-given responsibility. Verse 5 says, Now the end of the commandment. I want to pause right here. Some people have subscribed, and, and I, I tend to agree with them, that, that this is kind of giving reference back to the Old Testament law. And when you study the New Testament, you'll find that Jesus is questioned by a group of people, and they come to him and they say, Jesus, Lord, what's the greatest commandment of them all? And Jesus responded with two commandments. He said, the first is this, to love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And then he said, secondly, love thy neighbor as thyself. May I just summarize all of the New Testament and Old Testament into one word? Love. 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 That's all it is. We see that demonstrated 2,000 years ago on the cross that God so loved the world he gave his life on Calvary for your sins and for mine. He rose victoriously so that our sins could be remitted and heaven is our now gain. But as a Christian, as you read the New Testament, 
If there's anybody that should not be spreading hatred, it's a child of the living God. He says, now the end of the commandment is charity. Say charity with me on three, one, two, three. Charity. Say it one more time, please. Charity. This is a fancy and older word for love. And it says charity out of a pure heart. He says, don't love somebody only when they love you in return. He says, love everybody whether they love you back or hate you back. Jesus said, love your enemies. Jesus said, pray for those who persecute you and despitefully use you. Sound doctrine believes loving others is man's God-given responsibility. Love people when they revile you. Love people when they talk horrific and gossip about you and slander your name. Love people when they try to throw you under the bus. Love people when people don't love you, church, so that they can see a greater love living in you, and that is the love of Almighty God. It says, Charity out of a pure heart and of a good conscience and of faith unfeigned, from which some having swerved. You ever been driving down the road and, and a deer or an animal jumped out and you swerved over so you wouldn't hit it? God bless you if you swerved and wrecked. God bless you. I'll pray for you that God will somehow miraculously give you a brand new, new vehicle. Uh, but here it talks about how sometimes we swerve in an automobile to try to get in and out of traffic or to miss all the wildlife in the area. And listen, the wildlife is growing in the area because those who we, there are not many people hunt anymore. So that's why it's all growing. And people are, are seeing all the different animals, the rabbits and, and God curse the groundhogs and all the other animals out there. It says, from which some having swerved have turned aside unto vain jangling. This word vain jangling means to babble. You ever been around somebody and they just go on and 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 on about meaningless, empty, foolish stuff? Well, that's kind of what it is. Are you ever heard a noise? A noise that just kept going and going and going. And at first, you know, it's like, oh, okay, I got that. But then it just began to get just so annoying. I mean, it just got annoying. Like, stop that buzzing. Stop that beeping. Well, that's what this idea of vain jangling is. That, so instead of loving others out of a pure heart with a good conscience and faith unfeigned, they swerved to babbling on and on about everybody and everybody else. Desiring to be teachers of the law. There was a tendency back in the early church, because many of them were Jewish, to go back underneath the law. And listen, as much as it pains me to say this, New Testament Christians can eat pork and they can eat catfish. It pains me to say it because I don't like that stuff. It's dirty. It's nasty. But you know, it's interesting. You could go outside. You could shoot a crow. You could cook that thing. And you can pray. That, and the Bible says that when we bring this food and we pray for God to sanctify it, that God can take it and bless it to the nourishment of our bodies. God is able to do that now. It may not always line up with what we're taught in medical school or, or medical science, but, but, but there's times, listen, listen, man, I have heard stories of where missionaries in the mission field were given poison by witch doctors and they drank it and nothing happened. But here the tendency was to bring people back underneath the law saying, hey, you've got to also keep the law. Yeah, yeah, Jesus is the only way to heaven. Yeah, he rose again, but you can't eat pork, and, and you got to get circumcised, and you got to do this, and you got to do that. No, that's adding to the word of God. 
And this was their tendency. Listen, understanding neither what they say nor whereof they affirm. And all this could have been handled correctly if they would just love people. Because that is the fulfillment of the law into the New Testament. Loving others. So we've learned so far, sound doctrine believes loving others is man's God-given responsibility. We've also learned sound doctrine believes God's word is man, man's final authority. But now I want to share with you thirdly and finally from verses 8 through 11. Sound doctrine believes God's law reveals man's need for Calvary. God, sound doctrine believes God's law reveals man's need for Calvary. I like how James put it. He said, if you offend the law in one point, you're guilty of all. I like how Paul put it. He said, the law is a schoolmaster to bring us to Christ. The reason why God gave us his law is so that we could realize that we are sinners and we need the sinless Savior. Look at verse number 8. Now, I want you to understand that as I'm about to read this list of verses, this is the, these list of sins, this is not exhaustive, but it is showing us that the law was designed for sinners like you and me. Because the Bible says, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Verse 8 says, but we know that the law is good if a man use it lawfully. Basically what this is saying is that if you try to twist God's law and use it for your own lucre, selfishness, then you're in the wrong. But if you use the law in the pure form that it was written for, that's what it means lawfully. Verse 9, knowing this, that the law is not made for a righteous man. The only righteous man that ever existed was Jesus Christ. And he, be he became sin for us so that we could become righteous through him, as Paul said in Corinthians. Knowing this, that the law is not made for a righteous man, but for the lawless and disobedient, for the ungodly and for sinners, for unholy and profane, for murderers. Oh, I know that's not any of you, or at least I hope. Murders of fathers, murders of mothers, and manslayers. I am safe to assume that none of us here are like that. It says, well, now here's where, where it might come in to affect that, that some of us, maybe in our past, maybe, maybe we didn't kill anybody, but we hated them. And Jesus, or excuse me, John wrote in 1 John that if you hate somebody, you've committed murder in your heart. And here's one, verse 10. It says, for whoremongers. Whoremongers is like the male version, I say this respectfully, of a whore. A man who goes about trying to devour women and robbing them of their purity. And then check it out now. Here's one that's highly debated amongst modern scholarship and many denominations. For them that defile themselves with mankind. You can go study this for yourself. When you research this, this literally means a sodomite or a homosexual. Today, church, the law was made not just for whoremongers, not just for adulterers, but also for homosexuals so that they could understand that that is sin against God. It says, for men stealers. Well, pretty sure all of us have stolen something at a time, even if it's a piece of chewing gum from mommy and daddy. For liars. Well, we've all told a lie. For perjured persons. And if there be any other thing that is contrary to sound doctrine, that's what the law is for. It's to reveal to us that, hey, we are sinners, and if we die in our sin, hell is our eternal destination. But Jesus came, and he, he placed 
the sin of homosexuality. He placed the sin of murder. He placed the sin of lying, of theft, of, of adultery, of, of all the sins that you could imagine. He placed it on himself and he died in our stead so that we could receive forgiveness no matter what we've done or said. In verse 11, I love it. It says, according to the glorious gospel. Gospel means good news. And church, this is the greatest news that our world has ever heard. That Jesus died, he rose, and he lives. And we can live for eternity with him in heaven if we put our faith and trust in him. It says, according to the glorious gospel of the blessed God, which was committed to my trust. Believe sound doctrine, church. It's critical to the health and longevity of our local church and the universal church as a whole. Understanding that God's word stands where it stands, and we have to stand likewise. And that we have to proclaim the sound doctrine of the Christian faith in a compassionate but yet courageous manner. And that it is the most important aspect of the local church and the universal church. You know what I like about our church? Yes, we are Baptists, but we are independent from any convention. We are independent of any association. So I explain it to it like this, to people who are a little, who just don't quite understand that. I like to say, we are a non-denominational Baptist church. And they look at me like I'm crazy. But that's pretty much what we are. I like the fact that, that several years ago, a couple of our men got together and they wrote out an Articles of Faith, a detailed Articles of Faith, about what our church holds to. So we do not adopt to, to the Baptist faith message, although we may not disagree with that. We agree with probably nearly everything in there. But we just go into a little bit more detail. Why do we do that? Because sound doctrine is important. Sound doctrine believes God's law reveals man's need for Calvary. You know, maybe you're here today and you've never experienced God's forgiveness. Well, God can save you, just like he saved me. We need to understand that sound doctrine believes loving others is man's God-given responsibility, and we need to understand that sound doctrine believes God's word is man's final authority. Believe sound doctrine. Hey guys, thanks so much for tuning in to the Jumpstart Your Faith podcast channel. As a token of my appreciation for you listening today, I would like to give you my free ebook devotional called Jumpstart Your Faith, 30 Days to a Renewed Faith in Christ. Just go to www.pastorbrianratliff.com to download it. Please be sure to subscribe to this podcast channel to listen to more messages like today's. And if these messages have been helpful to you, please leave a review. If I could be of any help in your spiritual walk, please let me know by emailing me at pastorbrianratliff at yahoo.com. And one last thing, if you're in Roanoke, please consider joining us for one of our worship services at Clearbrook Baptist Church. Until next time, may God's blessings be upon you and have a great week.